When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. It is uh, Thursday, September the 7th in the morning here. Daryl Slater, Bob Brookover with you. Uh, and of course, we are getting ready for the Giants' massive Sunday night, week one season opening game against the Cowboys at MetLife Stadium. Obviously, a, a huge couple days at MetLife Stadium with the Giants playing on Sunday night football against the Cowboys, a division rival, of course, and then the Jets Monday night against the Bills, one of their big division rivals. So, um, yeah, a lot to talk about here. Uh, we last spoke with you guys during training camp, and really, you know, the roster, the way it fell, not a lot of surprises in terms of the cuts and all that stuff in terms of how the depth chart wound up looking. Uh, a couple couple uncertainties still, and we'll get to that. But, uh yeah, a, a big tipping point game, and we'll get to that too, even though it is week one um, against the Cowboys as the Giants try to finally beat this team, get over the hump, take the next step, all that good stuff after 9-7-1 and in the wild card playoff win last year, trying to get past the Eagles and, and the Cowboys. That's the broad storyline going into this one. Bob, how you doing? Hey, Daryl, how are you? I'm doing all right. You got a, you got a Giants-Jets doubleheader this week. I do. I'll be doing I both. I not sleep at all in between games either. I will uh, be taking a little bit of a nap Monday because my kid is up at 6.30. She uh, can't even catch a football, let alone know know what the football schedule is. So um, she doesn't care. She'll be up 6.30, late night Sunday, late night Monday, but I'll catch a little nap Monday afternoon, Tuesday. Uh, yeah. So, But, yeah, look, I mean, some people can't do that, right? I mean, some fans are going to have to watch these games or will want to watch these games then go to work, work a full day. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to watch both games, there'll be a couple tired days Monday, Tuesday. I, I would I would love to – I'm sure there are some gi- people who are both Giants and Jets fans um, who go to both games. That would be a good story. <laughs> yeah, that's a commitment. You know, if you're going – certainly if you're at home, you turn the TV off, you go to bed at 1130. Um, but if you're it's there – The financial commitment. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a, that would be an interesting doubleheader for sure. Um, but in terms of the Giants here um, – yeah, I, I think we can just start very broadly. Like, bottom line is, folks, like we all know, they have to get past the Eagles and Cowboys to conquer this division, to go deeper in the playoffs. The Giants over the last six years are one and eleven against the Cowboys. Over the last ten years, they're four and sixteen against them. Yeah, everyone knows they went zero and two against both teams last year. Really, zero and three against the Eagles because of the playoffs. Uh, they've lost four straight games overall to both teams. Over the last nine years, Giants three and sixteen against the Eagles, and they're over the last thirty-one games against the Eagles are six and twenty-five. So there's so many numbers that just illustrate the history of how badly the Giants have struggled recently against these two teams. But really, none of that matters. But like as our Steve Politi wrote today, if they want to prove these Giants that they are, um, you know, really a legit long-term contender, you know, go ahead and beat the Cowboys Sunday night. Easier said than done, of course. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say that there's a really really big game on opening day, but for the Giants this is a really really big game, especially when you when you start to map out the schedule beyond here. Uh, there's some really tough games in the first eight for them, uh, 
And you, you add that to the fact that it, the Cowboys have just dominated them for so long. Uh, I don't care what um, Brian Dable and Joe Shane are saying on the record. They know that this is a time where their team needs to stand up and, and beat the Cowboys and make a statement in that way. I mean, they, they're, they've kind of played it down and so have the players, uh, but I, I don't think they're, I don't think when those doors close or, and they're getting ready to play that game on Sunday that they're going to be, ah, you know, it's just another game. <laughs> they, they, this is a huge game for them, and they know it. No question, and, and you alluded to it, so we can start there. I mean, this early schedule, you know, we all looked at the schedule when it came out, and I think people then get into training camp mode, but, like, let's revisit this. The Giants have seven of their first 11 games on the road. Really tough opening stretch. There's no bye week until week 13, which is, um, which is the first week of uh, December. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a grueling gauntlet early on for, for the giants and they go Dallas. And then of course, week two, they play the Cardinals and Arizona might be the worst team in the league. So you figure they win that game. Uh, they're going to stay out West in Arizona to practice and then go to San Francisco for week three, by the way. Uh, yes, Nick Bosa will be there. Um, he just signed his contract. And so that's a short week game against one of the best teams in the league in San Francisco, even though the giants are staying out there on a Thursday night. So you lose to the Cowboys, you could be looking at one and two. You beat the Cowboys, you could be looking at two and one. And, you know, it's important to note the Giants get a pretty significant, like, stretch here from week three to four in terms of the break. It's a Thursday game against the um, Niners on September the 21st, and then they don't play again, the Giants don't, until October the 2nd, a Monday night game in week four at home against Seattle. So they could be looking, I think, Maybe they're going to be zero and three, maybe three and zero. Who knows? But like, I think most likely it's either one and two or two and one going into that Seattle game, and it just feels like those two things will feel a whole lot different going into that big break between week three and four. Absolutely, uh, and and when I look at it, I just take it out to two more games beyond that Seattle game at, at Miami, yeah. at Buffalo, uh, could be very well could be two losses, two very tough road games uh, against a, a loaded, a, loaded AFC East team. You know, that's, a, you know, they're, they're, they're considered maybe the Dolphins might be the third best team in that conference or in that division, but it's going to be a brutal game for the Giants uh, to, to win tough game to win. So yeah, I, two and one, um, you know, two and one could lead to three and one. And then you, then you got some wiggle room, no matter what happens in those two games, if you can get to three and one. Yeah, I mean, if you just even look, like you said, at the first six games, the Giants have four of those on the road in Arizona and San Francisco and Miami and in Buffalo. Um, and of those six games, really the Cardinals game is is because they go Cowboys, Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills. All those teams are good except except Arizona. So um, all, all, all playoff teams except Arizona. Yeah, so the, the first – and then they get Washington week seven at home, which is a little bit of a – you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, any team can beat any team, but you just look at you know, it out. I, I like, we, we can get into that later, but I like the commander's roster. I'm not necessarily sold on Sam Howe, but I, I do like their roster, and Sam Howe had a good preseason, so we'll see. Yeah, but, yeah, the, really those first – once we – in the middle of October, we're looking at – we're going to know a lot more about this Giants team after we get through these first six games. Um, coming out of the Buffalo game Sunday night, October the 15th, the homecoming on – Several fronts for Brian Dable, who obviously coached in Buffalo, grew up there. Um, yeah, so so I think we're going to know a lot more about about where this team stands. So, but in terms of like this game in particular, we talk about how important it is. So let's get into it in terms of yeah, it's a tipping point game. So like, what are the tipping points of this game? And you wrote about we can just 
we can really just start wherever. It doesn't matter. We'll get to all of it. Let's let's start there. The Giants had zero sacks against the Cowboys. There you go. The, this, the, the sack number last year, eight for the Cowboys, zero for the Giants. Uh, you know, that, I don't know. Like the, the the turnover stats is always a big one. And like you know, if you if you turn the ball over more than you uh, get takeaways, you, you usually lose. I got to think when you give up eight sacks and have zero. Uh, in, in two games, you almost always lose both of those games. And that's what the Giants did last year. Uh, you know, in writing about it, I I did acknowledge that. And I went I actually went back and looked at all nine pressures. Uh, Kayvon Thibault had a great game that day. He had nine pressures. One of them uh, forced an interception by Julian Love. Uh, two others forced a, th- a third down, um, get off the field for the Giants. Uh, another one should have been called holding, even though it went for like a 15-yard gain. It should have been a holding on, on the Giants' tackle, Tyler Smith, who's no longer tackle as a guard. But, you know, it, that's great. And even Kayvon said it, you know, I, I, I had a great game, but I didn't get any sacks. And you can tell, I talked to both him and Aziz this week, you can tell that those two guys uh, just know that they are going to play a huge role in whether the Giants win or this game or not. No doubt about it uh, for several reasons. Obviously, the Cowboys have really good fronts on both sides of the ball. You know, as it pertains to those two guys, their offensive line is is really good. Um, And the fact that the Giants are rolling out this revamped secondary. And and as I mentioned this, I'll let, you know, everyone knows how how good the Cowboys uh, offensive line is and established guys, Tyron Smith, um, in terms of pass blocking. Last year, the Cowboys actually were only 15th in PFF. but, you know, you're talking about established offensive alignment in terms of the run block 11th last year. So right. um, Smith missed 13 games last year, too. So thank you. Yep, you're right. Um, and that's why they didn't face him. And this year they will. Uh, he's an elite offensive tackle, elite, elite left tackle. And so, yeah, I think that one of the other reasons why they need to get pressure is the secondary, this revamp group for the Giants. Like how much you got C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup going against when the Giants roll out their nickel. Two outside uh, rookie corners, Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, with Adoree Jackson, the number one corner, moving into somewhat of an unfamiliar role in the slot. Risky. I mean, like, there's no way other way to slice it. it it's it's a it's an intriguing but risky alignment from Wake Martindale. Absolutely, it's the you know, and then you take into account also that Jason Pinnock, who uh, a year ago at this time wasn't even getting on the field, he was a late late summer uh, waiver claim. So now you got a guy who's really pretty inexperienced at safety too, replacing Julian Love. So, you know, your only two experienced guys are Xavier McKinney and and Adoree. And as you mentioned, Adoree is playing in a role that's that he really hasn't a whole lot in his career. Uh, so, the Giants' secondary, uh, you know, it's it's the it, defensively, it's the biggest question mark they have. Uh, last year, obviously, stopping the run was a real problem for the Giants. Uh, I, I really do think they've uh, addressed that by bringing Bobby O'Karake, although they're not great you know, at the other inside linebacker spots. Still, they, you know, they were hoping that was going to be Jared Davis at the start of the offseason, but he gets hurt. But I think O'Karake really addresses that issue as well as, you know, you already had a very good interior defensive line that you, you added depth to this offseason. So when you when you look at the totality of the defense, the biggest question mark is that the, the young corners and an, uh, a safety who hasn't played the position a whole lot either. For sure. And you, you alluded to it. The weak side linebacker will be Micah McFadden. He, um, he won that job 
beat out Darian Beavers pretty handily. Beavers sticks around in the practice squad. Um, so, yeah, not only I think will Okereke be helpful in the run, he's a faster player and upgrade there from what the revolving door they had last year and should be should really help this team in, in coverage. He's an every-down linebacker, as we've, as we've mentioned. And so that will be um, – you know, that, that will be an upgrade there. And and that kind of ties into what Wink Martindale said yesterday, Wednesday, when, when he spoke to reporters about why he thinks this defense can be elite in, um, in 2023. And he said the speed upgrade, you know, he, and that really Bobby Okereke is the most indicative like uh, upgrade in terms of like from where they were last year. And like, let's be honest, over big picture wise, this was not an elite defense last year. I think Wink Martindale gets a lot of credit because he does some good things. He did do some good things last year. He brings a lot of pressure. He's you know does runs his defense in kind of the sexy way. He's this uh, you know big personality kind of folksy. But like, they allowed twenty one point eight points a game last year. That's seventeenth in the league. All right, that's not not elite. Um, they were really good in the red zone, really good in third down, fifth in the NFL in both of those things. But in terms of a play-in, play-out basis, you know, PFF had them and then had them. I mean, they were these are ratings. They're not like a, a, just random rankings. 30th overall, 28th against the run, 20th in pass rush, and 31st in coverage. Now, they had attrition in the secondary. I get it. They blitzed a ton. They didn't get home enough and, and didn't get enough sacks, and, and they need a better – um, they need Kevin Thibodeau to be more efficient. Dexter Lawrence can't just be their only really good pass rusher. So – Will you know, the one thing? I'm sorry. Uh, the, the one thing to will, will they will the speed help? Well, I mean, will will they actually be elite? Well, and then and then they they did an, add an X factor here late in late in the preseason when they got Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals for for next to nothing, seventh round pick. Uh, and I'm I, you know I am really eager to see what Wink Martindale does with him. Uh, I think we're going to see him on the field quite a bit, uh, especially on passing downs. I think he's going to be a a major blitzer for for Wink's defense, and, and he, but to me, he is the real X factor for for this defense. Great point. I mean, he's a guy who's listed as a backup will linebacker behind a weak side will linebacker behind Micah McFadden right now, but he really is a kind of that hybrid safety linebacker. Could be a blitzer uh, in in sub packages, sort of like kind of I guess like Dane Belton. Um, we'll see what his role will be in in things like the dime package. He's I guess their number three safety right now, he's listed as a number two strong safety behind Pinnock. Um, and really Bobby McCain has just been an afterthought, but, um, but yeah, Belton Simmons, a couple like hybrid type players. It'll be, they could you know, pop for a big play here and they're not going to be starters. Um, and then, and then while we're on the topic of these sub packages and, and the, and the kind of the depth, not necessarily a versatile player here, but just like a guy who can, get in the mix because you you've mentioned this before about their depth at edge rusher for when they do go to these um third down packages like boogie basham is, is in now uh via trade essentially the bills are going to cut him a low-cost trade for the giants O'Shane Zimenez kind of out on the practice squad so it's jihad ward and boogie basham as the uh backup edge rushers what do you make of that yeah i mean <laughs> i think we both uh love talking to jihad ward he's a He's a character, uh, and he, and he, you know, he filled a very vital role for them last season. I mean, it, when I went back and did a series just before the start of training camp on the, the eleven most important giants uh, on offense and on each on offense and defense, he fit into that that group at that time, um, because and that was based on what he did last year. They he played more more snaps, which there's no way the Giants thought that was going to happen. 
more snaps than he ever had in his career uh, and, and played a very vital role. But he's just not a an elite pass rusher. He's not, you know, it's I, I don't know what the best analogy would be, but like you, you bring in you have two pretty good pass rushers, two two I think potentially elite pass rushers to, as starters, but you know it really tails off. There's not a third and fourth guy to come in and keep that rotation going, uh, which which hurts, you know, because there's no way these guys can play 100 percent of the plays. The Jets can come, I mean, not to, it's a giant podcast, obviously, but this kind of made me, reminded me of the Jets. They can come at you in waves with their, with their pass rushers. I mean, the, the, the depth they have there is, is just remarkable. The Giants less so. And I think it's, as you mentioned, it's, it is intriguing too, because they, they want to, I mean, when Wink Martindale wants to, to, to get after the quarterback a lot, I mean, he blitzes more than anybody in the NFL, which is why, yeah, maybe a guy like Simmons could place, as you said, such an important role um, because they kind of know what Ward is and what they have in him. Like, let's see if Simmons or, or, or maybe Basham can step up and be as a younger player, um, that type of depth uh, addition pass rush. Right. I mean, if they're going to rush the passer, they're going to have to do it in, in different ways than just uh, with dominating edge rushers, even though they have two good ones, um, you know, capable uh, 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 we'll go to this later, but I, I'll be surprised. I'm going to be surprised if uh, Thibodeau doesn't approach double-digit sacks or get double-digit sacks this year. But wow, you know, I, I and based on what Aziz has done, Ojolari has done in his career, you'd say that would be a possibility for him too. Obviously, he couldn't stay healthy last year, um, but he, um, you know, he he's shown a penchant for the sack when he's in the game. When you look at just the the pressure numbers last year, like how close um, really Kayvon Thibodeau in particular got, I mean, they, the team leader in pressures by PFF was Dexter Lawrence at 63 by far. Um, you know, you can make the case he was one of the top three defensive players in the entire NFL overall. Thibodeau, 40 pressures last year. PFF had him for just four sacks. But, I mean, that was in 14 games. I mean, 40 pressures in 14 games, pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, Ojolari, um the, the thing about Kayvon, though, is yeah. a, a ton of those came in just two games. The, yeah. the Cowboys game and the, and the Commanders game at down down there. Uh, so there, there were games where he didn't flash as much. Uh, they, they need him to, to be that guy more consistently. He had nine pressures in the Dallas game and, and down there and then Thanksgiving. Um, and then so nine of his 40 there. Um and so, yeah, I mean, they, they need him to get home and to be more efficient. I mean, his his pass rush grade was like 68 last year in PFF, which is great. Um, so they've got to have him be a more efficient pass rusher. His best grades were at Washington, that monster game he had pass rush-wise. Uh, they had him for only two pressures in that, but an 88 pass rush grade and um, an 80 against the Cowboys by far. Uh, in Thanksgiving, that, those are by far his two best games grade wise for pass rush. So uh, they need more of that. They 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 need more of those high end eighties um, and and you know five six pressure games. Um, he's a really important player for this defense, especially as we alluded to with how you know revamped the secondary is. It would be unreasonable to expect a guy like Trey Hawkins to go out there and hold up for a long time against someone like you know Cooks Lamb. Gallop that whole that whole trio. So, no, that uh, you know, I, I I really can't wait to watch to see how those guys do. That's to me that is 
defensively, the most intriguing thing we're going to watch on, on Sunday night is how those two rookies hold up. And, you know, they, they, they put, I'll say this, they put on a good face, both of them. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Banks is a very uh, confident kid. You can see it in the locker room. Um, and, 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 um, outgoing. He's, you know, he, he's not a great interview, but he's, when you watch him interact with his teammates, he's very outgoing, uh, where as Trey Hawkins has got a quiet confidence about him. So it's, it's going to be fun to see. I will say this for the secondary, you know, they are, um, not shying away from what is just an enormous challenge in week one. Uh, Dory Jackson was saying uh, of the Cowboys receivers, hey, it's a great group to go against. And, and then he kind of paused and um, smiled. He said, to showcase us as a defense, it's just going to be a great way to display us and our talents and what we do, what we want to do. Um, you know, a little bit of con- certainly a confidence in there. Not a lot of uh, deferential uh, <laughs> uh, words. Not, not blustery, but yeah. a, it's a great quote, really. Yeah, and and so um, let's see if it holds up because, as we mentioned, Adoree Jackson also he really played really well last year, but this slot thing is a bit new for him, and they're going to play their nickel a lot, uh, as we all know. So, yeah, I think that that you know is there anything else defensively uh, that pertains to. I think we covered a lot big picture wise there, and um, as it pertains to this game, right? I think we did at least on the defensive side of the ball. Switching. <laughs> Then switching to offense, I think I, I looked up the stat going into this game. I some some I saw a fan tweet this, so I, I just went and confirmed it. it. was It was a good stat that someone put out there. Um, obviously, the Giants lost to the Cowboys twice last year. Week three, they lose twenty three to sixteen. They the Giants only had three hundred and thirty six yards in that game, and the Giants only had thirteen points until a field goal with about three and a half minutes left. Okay, so that's really hard to win with thirteen or sixteen points in the NFL. Thanksgiving, the Giants wind up scoring 20, right? They lose 28 to 20. They, they only hit 300 yards, though. Uh, but I, I, maybe some people forget this. The Giants only had 13 until they had, like, a, a garbage touchdown with, with eight seconds left. Um, again. The Giants, the Giants really – I mean, the one thing to remember about that second game is they were really beat up. They had gotten a ton of injuries against the, the Lions yeah. the week before, had a short short week. And they were winning going into halftime. And a big reason for that was the way Kip Thibodeau and the defense played. It was 13-6 to six at the half. And then the Cowboys came out in the second half and kind of had their way with the defense. And, and the Giants just didn't have enough. They had a makeshift offensive line and didn't really have enough to, to present a challenge uh, offensively. They need to I, – I think it would be unreasonable to expect the, the the Giants to hold the Cowboys like defensively to under like 20. I mean, the Cowboys scored 27 and a half points last year. Again, they were fourth in the NFL, the Giants 21 and a half 16th in the NFL. So can this Giants offense help win for lack of a better term, a shootout against the Cowboys on on Sunday night? Yeah, I, I think they're more capable than yeah. certainly they were last year. Uh, the Waller factor is a, a big one, but not the only one, uh, you know, Wink Martindale said, mentioned his team speed for his defense and the team that, that also applies on offense, that they're just a, a faster team. Um, you know, I, I asked this question of uh, Mike Kafka and didn't really get the uh, an answer I was looking for yesterday, but you know, can, can your skill players make your offensive line better? Uh, I believe they can because you know, if they're open and you, you, your quarterback doesn't have to hold the ball as long and, 
make as many plays as his legs because you, you, you're getting guys open in different spots. Uh, that will make the offensive line better if you can just have plays on time in a passing game. Um, and they, they, you know, Daniel Jones has more guys he can go to, and it starts with Darren Waller, but it also includes Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, I, I think the the increased uh, number of good skill players uh, helps Darius Slayton. Paris Paris Campbell's got speed that doesn't get talked about a lot because when you talk about speed, it usually goes to Jalen Hyatt, the rookie. But there are, are, are a lot of weapons, and, you know, I was talking to Daniel Bellinger the other day and he's, he I was just talking about Darren Waller and he's like, yeah, he's, he's amazing. I said, and it's going to help me too. And, and then I thought about the their, the one drive, the offense played together. It was what um, against the Panthers, I guess it was Jones went all over the place and then it ended with him finding uh, Bellinger wide open in the, in the end zone. And we go back and look at the play. It's because two defenders went to Darren Waller and one of them left Bellinger alone in the end zone. Uh, so there's just, a, there, there's a lot of different ways for Daniel Jones to go that he didn't have a year ago. For sure. Um, a lot of this, I mean, can this Giants offense be a more explosive deep passing game, whether it's, you know, throwing the ball deep or medium range passes that the speed turns into long gains. I mean, we've, gone over it so many times, basically the worst team in the NFL in 20 plus yard passes over the last three years. I think literally the worst the last two years and then second to worst in 2020. So um, that has to change. And it's not just about, I think, the speed and the playmakers, but this line, which not just question. Okay. So like Evan Neal questions, right? Like, can he play better? Andrew Thomas, we know what he is. You know, John Michael Schmitz, he's the center, right? So, you know, he's a rookie center, right? What, what to expect. But but also, like, legit questions about, at least externally, they surely know internally, who's going to start at left guard and right guard, and how are they going to handle that? Yeah. I'll ask you first. What do you think they're going to do? I think they will. Uh, I do not think they're going to start with a rotation initially. I think they will roll with Mark Lewinsky at right guard, and uh, I think Ben Bredesen will be their left guard. Uh, now, I think they'll let they'll, they're going to try to. I think this is just educated guess. Uh, let this see how it plays out in terms of these guys playing both, both those guys playing every snap, right? So then then see if they need to do a rotation. I don't think they're going to roll into it with a rotation. Uh, if say like Golinski struggles or Bredesen struggles, then you could see a potential like Bredesen Golinski rotation at right or a Zudu Josh Zudu a Bredesen at left. I actually think you just nailed it. I, I think there's going to be the, n- not going to be a rotation after we watch one all all training camp, all preseason. Um, I, I think you're going to see Glowinski at right guard and Bredesen at left guard to start the season, uh, and you know let them let them try to prove themselves. That you know that there's an interesting stat about Bredesen when he started last year, the Giants were ten and three. Wow. So and, you know I don't know how much of a reflection that is on him. But you know what, ten and three is a good record. Um, you know, so I, I I just think that's I think that's the best way to go. Um, Kafka, you know, one thing he said, and this was during training camp, about, about the midpoint of training camp, he basically said, in his mind, it's ideal to have the five best guys uh, on the field. I don't know if you remember him saying that uh, yeah. at at the midpoint. Uh, whereas it was the only illusion by him or Dable that it was the only time either one of them alluded to, Hey, you know, that's what we'd like to do. Um, so, which is, that makes sense. 
right? It's more than we often get from either one. I mean, there's a reason teams typically don't do it. It's because it's because starting five guys and keeping them out there every snap is the ideal situation. And so communication is so important among the offensive line, and you you got to think the more you have five guys together, uh, the better that communication is going to be. For sure, and I think they'll just let the results dictate whether they need to do a rotation. They're not going to – I don't think it would make a lot of sense to just go in with a rotation. Like, let's see what happens in week one. Not that they're using these games, these really important regular season games, as, like, auditions, but, okay, right. like, do they need to do a rotation, or or is it okay, is it fine to not have one? I mean, right. they, we kind of saw last year that, you know, they don't really want to do that because after two games last year, Bredesen became the left guard. Uh, then he got yeah. hurt in Jacksonville in week seven. So, and, and, and then oh, chaos, it was chaos at the position after that, but it, that was the, that was the telltale sign that they don't really want to do that. I think no matter how you slice it though, like, okay. So the options at right guard are Glowinski or Bredesen, and the option at left guard are Azuto or Bredesen. Everyone gets that by now. So that's how they could do it. You know, you know, Schmidt's rookie center, a lot of questions, no matter how you slice it, like you're not talking about of among these four players, Schmitz, Bredesen, Azudu, Glowinski, like an established, like established in some cases, or like dominant player. So no matter who they throw out there at those three interior spots, there's a lot of question marks about the interior line. Right. No, there, no, there, there definitely is. That's the, you know, and that's the one place you, you can really hurt a quarterback is by bringing pressure up the middle. And, and, you know, I wrote about this with, with, uh, John Michael Schmitz the other day, um, about what he's going to face. The Cowboys don't necessarily have a great uh, tackle uh, that they'll throw in front of him, but he's going to face a lot of great defensive tackles before this season's over. Uh, you know, it, it starts in uh, who's week two. Uh, week two is the Cardinals. Then week three, uh, he's going to get Javon Har- Hargrave, you know, in, in his face. Uh, we, you know, when they play the Eagles, they're going to, those guys are rookies, uh, rookie, two guys, with not a lot of experience, but Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are going to be coming at him. Uh, not to mention Fletcher Cox is still a veteran. Uh, you know, the, the whole list, you go down the list and it's, there's, it's an imposing, uh, imposing thing that sits in front of him for sure. And speaking of imposing in terms of what the Giants line will face, uh, obviously the interior line, a big storyline, but but also how in the world are they going to stop Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, let's start with like Evan Neal. Last year, he played the Cowboys once because of his injury, right? And then he got two games against the Eagles, the one in the regular season, one in the playoffs because the Giants didn't play their starters in the regular season finale. So Week three against Dallas last year, Neal just got absolutely owned. Five pressures allowed, three sacks, a 27 pass rush grade. And then he goes and, and, and is even worse against the Eagles at home. Eight pressures allowed, one sack allowed, a 20 pass rush grade, which is atrocious. His worst of what was a, an underwhelming rookie year. And then the playoff game, actually only two pressures allowed, no sacks, but he only had a 40 pass rush grade. So it wasn't as, as, as bad. Um but even still, um, yeah, I mean, he's got to be better against the imposing pass rushers that those two teams present, and that starts against the Parsons, Lawrence, and the Cowboys. Yeah, and I, you know, I just don't know, you know, we, he, all the right things were said about Evan Neal. We expect him to be better. Um, you know, he, he had a good off season. He changed his stance. Um, he, you know, he worked hard. Uh, 
But I, there's just no way. But he, he also had a little stretch there where he was hurt in training camp. There's just no way until to know until right now, starting Sunday, how improved he is. Uh, you know, it, it, there's there's just no two ways about it. Uh, the the one thing, the one thing I, I think that you could look to positively about his rookie season was, okay, so you you, you look at his. PFF grade starting with week one, 40, 54, 45, 52, 56. And then against Baltimore, he was a 70. It was his best game, uh, best game of the season until Indianapolis late in the season when he was a 73. But he was a 70 and then a 62 uh, before he got hurt against Jacksonville. Uh, and then he came back and it was like, okay, he's starting from scratch again, trying to to, to um, get, get healthy and get right. But – there was signs that he was improving um, as the year went on before getting hurt. Um, but, uh, you know, then in the two playoff games, he was not real good either against Minnesota. Either yeah, I, I misspoke on that, actually. He the, he did play at 25 snaps in the regular season finale, meaningless game, two pressures allowed, 40 grade. That was the one where I said he wasn't that bad. Actually, in reality, he was very bad. In, in the divisional game, he allowed five pressures in Philadelphia in that divisional game. So I, I misspoke a little there. He did play the Eagles three he, times. He didn't, he didn't have a good rating in that Eagles game either, That the last game of the season. Yeah, it was actually his was. worst rating of the year. Uh, yeah. Too. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, and, I, you know, we they can say everything they want, and Evan can say everything he wants. and uh, But until until you do it, like, and, you know, we the, – the, the, popular thing that people like to do is like, well, Andrew Thomas had a really rough rookie year um, and look what happened with him. Well, that's great. Uh, but Evan Neal has, a, uh, you know, for just to put it in a uh, analogy term, has a lot bigger hole to crawl out of than, than Andrew Thomas did after his rookie year. Andrew Thomas, you got to remember, really finished his rookie year on an uptick. You know, he played well better as the season went on. Whereas in Evan Neal, now granted the knee, as you mentioned, a mitigating factor, um, did not play better. He played worse as the season went on. And um, yeah, so that's certainly something he changed his pass rush stance, pass blocking stance. We'll see. Uh, And the other, the flip side of that too, is, you know, Andrew Thomas, really good player, got paid this off season. You know, he's on his way to being one of the better um, consistent left tackles in the league. He did not play well against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving last year. He allowed three pressures, a 56 season. 56-9 pass block grade. That was his worst. His second worst was actually the week 14 home game against the Eagles. The Giants lost that one. 63 pass rush grade, three pressures allowed. Other than that, you know, he was really, really good. Um, He allowed 23 pressures all year. He had basically a 90 pass blocking grade. Um, And so just those two games stand as outlier. And he was really good. He was actually very good. Evan or uh, Andrew Thomas wasn't the divisional game against the Eagles, even though the Giants were terrible in that in that game. That was his fifth best pass for what it's worth, fifth best pass blocking grade of the year. Um, so he played the Eagles twice, played the Cowboys twice in the in the week three game. He was he was fine um, against the Cowboys. Uh, uh, Andrew Thomas was, but not so much on Thanksgiving. So really, uh, Neil uh, and Thomas huge factors in this one. Yeah, I, I, and to me. You know, we, we we mentioned it already that the the young quarterback cornerbacks are the, um, the 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 biggest question mark for the defense. 
and what what we find what what the Giants offense do will revolve around what the offensive line is capable of doing. That's the biggest question mark for them. Uh, you know, if if they're they have to be they have to be better than last year as a as a group. And we we're just talking about Evan Neal a second ago. He has to be better, but as a group, they have to be better if the Giants are going to take the next step in the progression they're hoping to take. Um, that's, that's the most vital part of the offense. I think they have the weapons. I really do. I think they have the weapons to be a better offense. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing that it ended up being a very weird training camp in that the only thing we talked about heading into training camp was Saquon Barkley. And then he surprises us all and, and signs, uh, the tag and comes in. Um, and we barely talked about him and he never got on the field. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's still there and they have these other receiving weapons uh, makes the Giants offense very, very interesting. Uh, you know, because th- that, that was my thought as I watched that 10 play drive in the preseason was, oh, it's all passing. You know, at some point at some point they're going to also insert Saquon into this and be even more dynamic as an offense. That's the goal, certainly, um, to have that kind of one-two punch with with Barkley and and Waller, um, and obviously we all know an enormous second straight prove it year for Saquon Barkley playing on the franchise tag. Um, so we'll see what that all means for him. Uh, and 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 by the way, you know we, we, he's kind of been an afterthought. He being well Barkley to some degree, but but Daniel Jones. Okay, so like let's not lose sight of the fact that this is he's this is still kind of a proven situation for him. Yeah, he got paid $82 million on what is essentially a two-year contract, but there's the emphasis. It's a two-year contract. The Giants have an escape hatch after 2024, even after that minor restructuring they did. Um, he needs to, you know, if he goes out and lays an egg this year, he's on the quote-unquote hot seat entering next year in terms of, like, what are they going to do with him after 2024? So, Let's see if he can go out and justify the contract. He's, we, there are questions about the line. He has better weapons. Uh, this offense should be more explosive, you'd think. Um, so it's been a weird summer in that, okay, the Barkley storyline kind of overshadowed Jones going into camp. Then during camp, uh, there were so much, uh, so many other things to talk about. Jones was steady. He was fine. He played the one drive. He was steady. He was fine. Uh, that He just was kind of this weird afterthought. Oh, and then, by the way, you had that – you know, that other guy at the Jets who who just is always making news and Aaron Rodgers, you know, happy. He's he's happy to have the spotlight, craves it, probably needs it. Uh, Jones uh, would rather just not have, any, have anyone look at him. But well, guess, well, he's about I, to go to the microscope now. I, I did the fun story on him this week of the video. And I don't know if you ever went and watched the video of him in the, in the boss, the Hugo boss store trying to sell giant shirts and. You know, I, I talked to him about it and he said half the people didn't recognize him. He said some of them didn't look up, but even after they looked up, like they were looking at him, didn't didn't recognize him. This is the quarterback of the New York Giants. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers going into a Hugo Boss store? Uh, you know, everybody would know who he is. And and Daniel Jones embraces that people don't recognize him. Uh, but let, let me ask you this. Do you what do you think Daniel Jones is going to do this year? Do you, which way do you think he's going to go? Ascend, descend. I mean, thing. It's a lame answer, but I think you're going to see a lot of the same in terms of his production. Uh, so I don't I think, think he's a guy about to ascend. I really yeah. do. I don't think he's a guy. I mean, he was 14th in the NFL in quarterback rating last year. That doesn't obviously take into account running, but um, he was he was 
the same spot in PFF ratings, which does take into account running. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think he's a top, top five, top eight, maybe even top 10 quarterback. I just think that this is who this guy is. Uh, they had no choice but to pay him. I get it. Uh, they made a smart move by not guaranteeing him money into the third year. Um, but I don't, I don't see a situation where he goes out and lights it up. That doesn't mean they're not going to win, say nine or 10 games, make the playoffs. But like, is he, is he, as I look at him right now, do I see enough of in his body work to say he's a guy who can lead a team to win the Super Bowl? No, I I don't, I don't think that. I think that just just looking at what he's done, I don't think so. I think the the difference between me and you is the the lens with which we have watched Daniel Jones. I always watch him from afar and never all that closely uh, before last year uh, and watching him last year and just watching the way he goes about his business and the way uh, his teammates and Darius Slayton becomes the, the one I think of the most who just really, you know, uh, would run through a wall for the guy. I, I just, I see a guy who finally had some things around him and things go right when, when the franchise was just a mess and persevered through all that. And now is finally getting the the weapons that you need to be a in a, an elite NFL quarterback, and I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't ascend into the, at least the top ten. Um, I I really am. Now last year he had 15 touchdown passes, correct? Uh, to to, to, yeah. to get into that elite, he's got to go to me increase that by like 10, at least 25. Um, because yeah, yeah. and for him for 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 him. I think that puts him in the elite because of what he can do with his legs. I, I'm sure the Giants would like him to have, have to do less because he's not as under as much pressure as he was a year ago. But I, I, I really think you're about to see a guy really ascend into an elite, become an elite quarterback. What's interesting about that stat is that he, as a rookie, he had 24 touchdown passes in 13 games. You know, he really, he didn't play in the one that much. So he started 12 games. They went three and nine in his games as a starter. And he, and he had 24 touchdown passes. Um, so he had, he had more weapons then though. Yeah. And, and, and so still there, right. Then over the next three years, 11, 10 and 15 touchdown passes. And so, yeah. Um, obviously last year was his best quarterback rating by far 92.5. Um, and so I think that, you know, clearly he's a big, you know, it's an enormous storyline for whether he can, he can take that next step. I mean, yes, a lot of it depends on protection and playmakers, but I think we've gotten into this thing where we talk about him in the context of like what's around him. Like, uh, sorry, but like the, the quarterback still controls a lot and his skill level and his competence and his ability to improve uh, not only himself, but the players around him still dictates a lot. Right. So it's not just like, oh, he's this guy who's dependent on all these things around him. Like, no, I mean, he's a really important player who's going to have to do a lot on his own and no situation is ever going to be perfect. And do the Giants have the perfect situation? No. Um, but I think it's uh, now he's got the pieces around him, even though it's still not perfect. Let's go see what he can do. Can he justify this contract? Yeah, uh, it's it's absolutely about that. And like you said, he's it's really only a two-year deal. So he's still, he's still playing to prove something, um, which he should be. I mean, one year... One year never proves anything uh, to me, to me, the great stat. And I forget the exact stat, what it is, but it's been like 20 something years since a quarterback has lost the Super Bowl and then gone back to the Super Bowl. Um, so like the last 20 quarterbacks who've lost the Super Bowl have, have not gone back. So it tells you that, you know, one year does not prove anything. 
Uh, you, not, you not the next year. Not the next year. Yeah. What's that? They didn't go back the next year, but yeah. No, no, they didn't go back at all. <laughs> what about uh, what about uh, Mahomes? Uh, lost the quarterback in the first time they played in the Super Bowl. That's the stat. I'm sorry. Oh, the first time. Okay, okay. The first time they played in the Super Bowl that that they lost it. The first time they played in the Super Bowl, they they never went back. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, obviously, Mahomes they lose. You know, they lost. Right, right. right. That's 20. no. It's it, that the stat was the, the lost the lost the the first time they played in the Super Bowl lost, and it goes back into the 90s. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Which is yeah. pretty. It's pretty amazing, uh, but it's it, it's also proof that you know, one year you know, you know think about you think about like somebody like Matt Ryan if he had won that Super Bowl that the Falcons absolutely choked against the Patriots, you know he'd be looked at in a much different light than he is now. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I just when I look at Daniel Jones and maybe it's because that last year was the first time I really got to look take a deep look at him. I just see a guy who's who has the ability to be really an elite guy in this league, um, but he's got to prove it. You got you got to see it. Um, and I, I thought we saw a lot of glimpses of it last year. And now that storyline becomes front and center after being overshadowed by little, you know, lesser things. I think in training camp. That's sort of how it goes. Uh, the microscope is here for Daniel Jones. And it just a couple more nuggets on offense. And we talked about all this big picture stuff, but just to drill down on a few other things, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see like what they do. Like uh, we don't have to get too much into this, but like with their backup line situation, they have Shane Lemieux listed as a backup center and left guard right now. He made the team, which I thought good story, good, nice guy. Um, but I think if one of the, we kind of know what they're going to do if, one of their tackles gets hurt. Matt Parrott is, is the swing backup. We kind of know what it looks like if one of their guards get hurt because Azudu can be a backup or Glowinski or Bredesen. The center situation is an interesting one because I don't know if Lemieux would be their first choice. I think maybe they would maybe put Bredesen at center and put Lemieux as the starting left guard, but it's not like Bredesen or Lemieux has a ton of really any experience at center. So that's a, a big one to watch. Like they cannot afford an inner you know, an injury, especially this year to their center. I mean, anyone can say that most years, but uh, I don't know. That's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you can put Bredesen there and then put Azudo at left guard. Um, I was surprised that Lemieux made the team just because he's not been on the field for the last two years. Um, and he was you know, down the depth chart in camp, yeah. Right, he was down the depth chart uh, for a while there. He wasn't even, you know, they had been running him at center, the second team center, and then, he wasn't even run. Harlow was running at second team center instead of him. He was running with guards. Uh, so you, you wondered, okay, is that experiment over? But he's still listed there. Um, but I, I, I think they would go with Bredesen ahead of Lemieux if it, it came to that. Um, I'm sure they're hoping it doesn't. But the course of an NFL season, uh, it is a war of attrition. So we'll see what we'll see what you know. That's a that's a big thing too. That that is the one thing. I think to get um, is, is is under the radar a little bit is that the Giants, uh, while an improved roster from a year ago by 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 far, are still not real deep in a lot of places. And we we alluded to it at the at the edge rusher spots, uh, but you know it's also tr- very true to me on the offensive line. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of places that they they would be in trouble. If that if certain position groups, almost all of them, <laughs> um, 
you know, go down. So I, I think they still have a depth issue. Yes. And uh, Harlow, Sean Harlow now on the, on the Cowboys practice squad. So he did not stick around in the Giants practice squad. And uh, just, you know, speaking of, of depth, and this can kind of actually tie into some health stuff and injuries. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you, Jalen Hyatt listed as second team outside receiver behind Isaiah Hodgins. And then we'll, we'll talk about Wandale Robinson in a minute. He's listed as behind, um, in the slot behind Paris Campbell. They have, they have Sterling Shepard behind Darius Slayton on the outside in their depth chart, but let's start with Hyatt, uh, real quick, reasonable expectations for him as a rookie. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to have like this breakout year being a thousand yard receiver. Cause I don't think he's going to be on the field enough to do that. I think he's going to be a guy gets on the field and when they want to take a deep shot, um, he's he's going to be in the field. he's going to he's going to play quite a bit I think, uh, but uh, you know I th- I think he's going to have some growing pains his first year. I, I'm I'm eager to see how teams defend him. Uh, I, you know, if it was me, I would have somebody in his face every chance I got. If he's lining up, if he's lining up stand standstill, I definitely have somebody in his face trying to. Uh, be physical with him. I'm sure that Kafka and Dable are going to motion him a lot to try to prevent that from happening. Um, but uh, you know, I, I can I can see him having a solid solid years, a few touchdowns, but not a breakout year. And of course, he being the just Hyatt, be, Hyatt being the intriguing receiver, rookie receiver this year. Uh, that guy last year was Wandale Robinson, a, a second round pick. Season was derailed by injuries, a couple knee injuries, the latter being a torn ACL in late November. But he is back. He's off the pup list. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think you'll see him week one. Let's just run through real quick. I'll just I'll, the Giants do not practice today. It's Thursday. They have an off day. Their first uh, injury report came out yesterday, Wednesday. So they'll do an estimate today. Uh, and then they'll be getting back on the schedule next week where Tuesday is the off day. And so we'll do this podcast on Tuesday. Uh, going forward most weeks, but the, the injury report yesterday, nobody was a did not practice. The limited participant guys were Gary Brightwell with a knee, uh, Cam Brown ankle, Lawrence Cager ankle, DJ Davidson knee, Cordell Flott, hamstring, Javarius Owens, hamstring. Again, those are not, those are all backup guys, but Wandale Robinson's with a knee limited again. So like, we don't need to get into all those guys, but Wandale Robinson, probably not, I don't think he'll play week one, right? Do you agree? Uh, I, I, I'm, he's going to have to work his way back on the field. He He barely... He barely participated in a training camp. Didn't play in a preseason game. Didn't come off. Didn't come off the pup to very late in training camp. Um, almost before the rosters were pretty much before, just before the rosters yeah. had to be finalized. So, um, you know, I, I actually talked to him yesterday, and he said he's feeling really good. But he also said he was a full participant in practice, which the the injury report um, contradicted. Um, yeah, I don't think he's. We're going to see him week one. Um, you know, he's just going to he's going to have to work his way back. And, you know, if we learned anything from last season, the starting wide receivers on opening day last year were Kenny Galladay, David Sills and um, uh, Kadarius Tony. So uh, things things can change in the NFL uh, quickly. And they did uh, for the Giants last year. So and, and actually talked talked to him about that last year. Uh, we, we said stuff happens not in quite in those terms. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Stuff stuff does happen. Stuff happened to him last year. His very first NFL catch, he got hurt, was out for three or four weeks, uh, came back and looked like he was really getting into a new groove. Had, you know, his his last catch was a put him over 100 yards, put him at 100 yards for that game against Detroit. But it also suffered torn ACL and didn't play again. Now, now here he is. But he'll get his chance at some point. 
um, because of that, because of the, you know, guys going down. Um, and, you know, he's, he, he, you could tell he had flashes and had a ta- had talent last year. Um, so we'll see, see how he comes back from this ACL at some point, but, but I don't think right away. Yes, yeah, certainly an intriguing piece for this Giants defense. And, the, the, you know, in terms of the health, you did a piece on this about how much healthier they are. I mean, I ran down the injuries, and you're talking about not to, like, diss any of those guys, but no one there that – like, if all those you – know, I mean, none of those guys are particularly, like, super important. So, in terms of their top-line important guys, they're very, very healthy. They are. And that's that's much different than a year ago because Ojolari and, and Thibodeau both missed the first two games of the season last year. Kadarius Turney, uh, Tony was nursing a hamstring that then floated to his other hamstring before he floated to Kansas City uh, um, and won a Super Bowl with with uh, with a touchdown and a game changing punt return. Yeah, played but pretty well. He did. Uh, he was he was quite now a story. <laughs> now he's hurt again, but it looks like he'll play tonight. And the, in the yeah. <laughs> he was the craziest story of last season. Um, but, but um, you know, there, there's, uh, there. This team is definitely much, much healthier going into this season. Uh, that can change in that can change in one night. Um, but we'll see. It was it, the the last preseason game was interesting because they had a bunch of guys hurt, but they the important ones were all in the sideline protection protection program. So. So nobody of great significance got hurt. Probably the probably the guy that of most significance got hurt that day was Bryce Ford Wheaton, who was going to be you know a down the depth chart receiver and a special teams guy. But unfortunately for the for him, he tore his ACL. And and just in terms of guy, I mean they don't really they have no one who is on IR right now will be able to come back. I mean you're talking about. Uh, Jared Davis, Bryce Ford, Bryce Ford Wheaton, J.C. Hosnauer, Chris Myrick. Those guys, I presume, are either out for the season or they're not or not like super consequential. They got Tommy Sweeney, a tight end, you know, who was a roster fringe guy anyway in that non-football injury list. I Who knows? I mean, obviously a scary medical situation for him in camp. But uh, Aaron Robinson's still dealing with a torn ACL. He's still on pop. He has just not been able to stay healthy. Has been rendered kind of an afterthought in, in, in the secondary. Uh, they do have Cole Beasley on the practice squad IR, which is the same as regular season IR. He's got to miss at least four games. He's a guy who maybe could provide some depth. He's old. He's 34 years old. So, um He's someone to maybe keep an eye on down there. He's dealing with a quad injury, so it's I don't you know nothing that's going to be. I think maybe the four games, and he comes back, we'll see. But that all ties into just how healthy the Giants are right now going into this game, and uh, you know let's let's see if it manifests itself into into uh, you know some some results. Um, they're going to have a rookie punt returner in Eric Gray. Big stage for him. Uh, he's sort of a somewhat forgotten rookie. Um, you know, it's not like we need to you know get too much into that, but we will be getting into it if he screws up <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, I don't, we covered pretty much everything there, Bob, uh, except the, the the big one, which is the pick for the game and the pick for the season. So uh, I'm gonna pull it out of my backside here uh, on at least the pick for the game. But do you want to go first here on the pick for the game? Or you want me to lead off? Go ahead, you lead off. I don't see the Giants winning this game. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Cowboys. I am going to pick uh, 35-24 for the Cowboys. That was literally one second ago I thought of that score, so don't bet your life savings on it. But that's what I'm going with for this one. I'll let you go on on the game, and then we'll go with season picks. 
Well, I'll read you exactly what I'm writing because tomorrow I'm going to, for tomorrow morning, I'm going to put out my full full season prediction column. And I've, I've already gotten to week one. And, I, and here's what I say. The Cowboys have won 11 of the last 12 meetings between the teams. This is the Giants' most talented team in quite some time. With a depleted roster that wasn't as talented last year on Thanksgiving, the Giants pushed the Cowboys hard before losing. It's time for this rivalry to start turning the other way. Giants 27, Cowboys 24. I think, wow. it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great game, uh, you know, a, a really fun opening night game. But I, you know, I just, I, I think the Giants had a better offseason too than the Cowboys. I really do. I think they upgraded their roster more than the Cowboys did. Uh, the Cowboys also are Tyler Smith, who we mentioned before, got dominated by Kayvon Thibodeau as, at a left as a left tackle rookie matchup last year, matchup of first round picks. Kayvon really won that. Tyler Smith's now moved to guard, uh, but he's also, uh, I think it's a hamstring problem. And yeah. I, I don't, what's that? Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's dealing with a hamstring issue, which, you know, it, it's not a minor thing for, for, you know, for the, for the Cowboys because they're dealing with some monsters at guard by the, for the giants that are, I mean, at defensive tackle for the giants. So that, you know, that could, that could be something to watch on, on Sunday night, but I, I, I like the, the Giants in this game. I think they really, they've really been looking forward to this game for a long time now. I think, you know, I don't care, you know, Dable never says anything like this, but I, I guarantee you, since OTAs, he's been he circled this date and this game is let, let's go. This is where we start to prove ourselves. I mean, would you agree the Cowboys are more talented on on paper? still than the Giants. Yeah, but I, I think the talent gap is closed. Uh, and now you're talking about a team that's home and it's opening night. Um, so I, I think you take in all those factors. I haven't gotten to the second Giants-Cowboys game yet down in, down in Dallas. But, um, you know, I, I think out of the shoot that the Giants are going to be ready to play this game and, and prove something. Yes, uh, and we didn't even – you mentioned Monsters in the middle. Dexter Lawrence, probably the best player in the entire team last year. Uh, we didn't even mention him once. Uh, that, uh, speaking of guys you take for granted in terms of the success, but that is an important storyline with Tyler Smith banged up a little bit uh, there, you know, in terms of Dexter Lawrence being able to uh, affect Dak Prescott a little bit. Another guy's name, we, you just you kind of assume, you know, you know everyone, Dak Prescott, right? And so uh, let's see what Dexter Lawrence does there. But in terms of my pick for the game, I gave it – uh, I will say for the season, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I, I had in, in May. I mean, I mean, I might go through this, um, and do some different individual game changes, but I am going to say we don't need to go through every game, but I, I still will have the giants at 10 and seven making the playoffs, uh, another loss on divisional round weekend is what I had in May. And I'm going to stick to that. Um, that's where I think they're at right now in terms of this progression, uh, but I, again, I'll have that, my game by game picks for later, you know, I guess Saturday, what do you have for the giants record and how deep, uh, if at all, they go in the playoffs. Yeah. I haven't gone through my whole thing in, in May. I picked 10 and seven. I, I, I may alter that a little bit to 11 and six, but I'm not, not positive yet. I'm going through it game by game. Um, here's, here's the interesting, I, I got them 10 to seven or 11, six. I'm not sure which, which way I'm going to go yet with this as I, as I look through this today. Um, and I think I got to make in the playoffs again too, but I, the, the thing about the giants is I think they're, they are more talented than a year ago, a uh, better roster, better team, but the schedule is tougher. Uh, and the division is still brutal between the Cowboys 
and the Eagles, those are two really tough teams in front of them. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't think the commanders stink. They didn't stink last year, actually. Uh, and I don't think they stink this year. They they, they will be tough divisional games. The, every everyone last year, they were one, what, one, five and one in the, or one, four and one in the division. One, five and one, if you count the Eagles um, playing the second time. Uh, so those are those are going to be really tough games and you better win the games you're supposed to win. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals early on being one of them, if you're going to make the playoffs and, and, and have the season you hope, because the, the NFC East is brutal. And, and, you know, the fact they get the AFC East doesn't make it any easier because the, you know, the, I think the eight of the teams they play, eight of the teams the Giants plays play of the seven, eight of the 17 or were playoff teams last year. And I got to think the Jets are going to be a playoff team this year. Um, so you, you've you got a brutal schedule ahead of you, so you better win the games you're supposed to win. Yep, and 100%. And, and just in terms of how brutal it is, PFF uh, earlier this year, now this is um, in June, they did this, uh, early June. The projected win total for the Giants, they had at 8, 8.4, uh, and they talked about how uh, how tough this schedule is. Uh, according to PFF, just four teams had a harder schedule than the Giants. The Bills, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, who had, who had the hardest. So uh, the Giants there with the, what, fifth toughest schedule in the league, at least according to PFF. So that, you know, can they avoid a regression? That's why it's an enormous hurdle for them to do so. What do you think is the Giants' ceiling, and what is the floor for this team in terms of, uh, I mean, you said already probably 10-7, 11-6 and six is what you'll pick. Um well, what's the ceiling and what's the floor for season win total? 11 is the ceiling, I think. Is, is yeah, the ceiling, I I think. Um, and, you know, I could, you know, I could see a scenario too where they go eight and nine. Uh, I could, I could see that happening if, if things don't fall right, if it, you know, get the wrong guys injured, uh, you know, you could, you could see it fall into eight and nine. And of course, anytime, you know, if the court, if the quarterback were to get hurt, uh, we saw that season in 2021, you saw it up close. I saw it from a distance. Um, it's disaster time. So, yeah, and I think every team will obviously have the normal amount of injuries, but just setting aside anything like catastrophic to Daniel Jones, I think the ceiling is 11, and I think the floor is seven. I think that's where things fall for this team. So, we well, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe to us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, and uh, we will be back here starting. Tuesday next week. And that's, I think what the schedule, well, at least next week, we'll go week to week to week, as they say. Um, it's a week to week league. And so football is back uh, starting tonight with, with the chiefs and lions and starting Sunday for the giants Sunday night against the Cowboys. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, enjoy your weekend and enjoy the game Sunday night. And we will be back with you on Tuesday to talk all things giants, Cowboys and look ahead to, um, the Giants may be trying to go 2-0 or even up at 1-1 against the Cardinals in Arizona. All right, everybody. Take care.